This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We got exciting news coming in our DMs at the moment. And um, we got some rants today. We do have some good news coming in the DMs. I had to check that as you said it. Um, and we do have some rants. It's it's Rant Wednesday. Um, it's what we're going to call this now. And it's only going to be a one-time thing. And we don't... Normally, I say that we don't normally like to rant. We had four years of basketball rants on this. We rant podcast. a lot. We do rant a lot, but this one, I think, I think is less about the on the court, on the field product, and more so about some fans, as we are fans. I should say that we're we're a fan blog who doesn't really blog. We just talk and tweet, um, but we're fans too. But I just don't know how to word it in a nice way. So I guess we're doing, what is it, mostly a football rant? This is football, an Antoine Wells rant. Okay. So Antoine Wells spoke <laughs> to uh, the I Big like Spur. I think he said that, okay. Like, we got to set the scene here. Coming. We got, <laughs> there's something else that I thought I was going to rant about. I can't remember it. But anyway, Antoine Wells spoke with, the big spur as it says on this thing but anyways the it's like the 24 7 sports site for south carolina they have a bunch of team pages anyway he talks to um 
I guess JMU fans read it, and then there were some people who were upset with some of the stuff that he said about South Carolina, about JMU. Do you want me to read any of the quotes? Do you want to start the rant? This is mostly you. I'm trying to find what your rant was on because I feel like you had a good rant too coming. But yeah, read the quotes because I feel like that really sets it up. Okay. So they talk to him. It's basically a Q&A, but they do a little intro before that. Um, they asked him essentially like why he transferred, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he goes, I look at life as challenging. I don't ever want to get settled. I don't ever want to just be comfortable with dominating at that one level. I always want to be able to enhance my game and be able to learn as much things as possible. I feel like at JMU, they taught me a lot of things and they helped me with a lot of things, but I feel like my time there was done because just playing there kind of got easy. I want to take the harder route. Um, and there were some people who were kind of offended by that comment. I think it's definitely worth noting playing like against Alabama or Florida or LSU or even Kentucky is significantly harder than playing at JMU. But anyway, so that's, against that's Morehead what, State and Maine. And that's yeah, right. It's, it's harder to play in the SEC. But anyway, so we made a bunch of things. I'll get back to some of the quotes here in a minute, but I'll give, I'll give one that I think circulated a lot, a lot, which was what's the biggest difference between Carolina and JMU. The best part about some of this, by the way, is that some JMU fans thought he was in North Carolina and they're like, well, you know, I guess North Carolina has good stuff. So they don't even like really know what's happening in the situation. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't even see that part of it. That makes it so much funnier. He goes for one, the food, the food is amazing. Right after workouts, you have shakes already made for you. After that, you shower up and you've got a whole buffet in front of you before you even do your workout. You've got breakfast, but they make any type of sandwich you want, customize it. That's been the biggest difference for sure. Just the facility and definitely the culture. There's more motivational coaches and mentors like Demo. Don't know who Demo is, but I guess they do. It's just wonderful. Everything about it is definitely unbelievable for sure. Yes. All of that, every, every quote that you just read is true. You know why? Why is that? Because JMU is an FCS school. Was was an FCS school and he's at an SEC school. I can probably go out on a limb and say that the SEC has better facilities than some NFL teams. No. I'll say maybe the Bengals. We all they probably got some they they do have some pretty good facilities. So that have like an excessive amount of things that NFL facilities don't have, right? Because they're going home at the NFL. Yeah. So like they have like stupid like lounges that I, I don't think those are necessarily the same level of like, you're going to be here all the time. Yeah. So but, it's like Bama's facility is insane. Like even like Pac-12, like Oregon's got crazy facilities. It's just like, it's not the thing to get upset about if you're a JMU fan. He's not slighting JMU at all. Like everything he said in that interview was true. He was asked these questions. It's not like he went out and just said, hey, Big Spur, you want to listen to me shit on JMU for a couple questions? <laughs> no, they went to him and they were like, what's it like playing here? And he's like, well, it's harder. I don't think he said JMU sucks. I needed better competition. If anything, he's saying he was really good. And isn't that what you want when you're JMU is to kind of be that like place where great players come? Maybe they don't stick around for all four years, but they come and – they put up some amazing numbers. What? He's like leads the program in receiving yards and he played there for two years, right? 
He doesn't actually lead them, but he's like was on pace to have absurd stats. I think he's in the top 10 actually listed in the article. So assuming they're right here, um, he was ninth in career receiving yards, third all time in receiving touchdowns, ninth in career receptions. And then he had the single season record for receiving yards, receiving touchdowns and receptions. So he was going to, if he had stayed, he would have broken them by like an absurd amount. But the fact is like you played two seasons. One was kind of a shorter like spring season. Yeah. And during that period, he's like top 10 top five with certain yeah. things he's one of the best receivers jamie has ever had exactly played two like a season and three quarters essentially and the second season he was playing on a bum ankle half the time that was the stuff that was weird it's like the there were a lot of jamie fans were calling out the shake comment where he's talking about the shakes after and they're like huh, you want this served you on a silver platter you're soft he's pampered the guy played like six games on like a high ankle sprain was still like the best receiver. The offense took a huge dip with him out. Like you were saying, it's true. Like he dominated when he was there. He was clearly one of the best receivers at the level. I think he wants to play in the NFL and it's easier. And some JMU fans dispute this, which is insane. It's easier to get to the NFL from the SEC. Yes. Look at the draft. Look at the, the top draft picks every year. It's the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12. There's a reason they're the Power Five conferences. But Jack. And also, I have like two kind of – two more points on this and then we can move off of it just so we don't spend too long belaboring this point. Antoine Wells made the decision that he needed to make for his – himself. Like no one out there except for him can judge himself for making that decision. Like you went to JMU, you picked JMU. There's plenty of transfers who transfer from Elon to JMU as a student and you don't call them out for that either. Like you make the decision that's right for you. And Antoine Wells has to live with that. And in all honesty, he probably made the right decision to go to the SEC, especially if he wants to you know, make it to the NFL. And if he doesn't have those skill sets or certain things that he needs to make it in the NFL, you said this yesterday when we were just talking, it's a lot better to figure that out as a redshirt sophomore with three more years of eligibility at an SEC school with fantastic coaching than it is to figure that out in what August at your rookie tryout for an NFL. Yeah. Like, like he's dominating people. It was dominating people at the FCS level. So if he, had just kept doing that and then tried to get to the NFL as maybe like a mid round draft pick. It's, it's hard to like know what your weaknesses are necessarily. If you're like crushing the FCS competition, going up a level in competition, the SEC, obviously, even with Jamie moving to the Sunbelt, like the FCC East on a weekly basis and mixing in SEC West, South Carolina has a rivalry with Clemson. They're annually on the schedule, like the games that he's going to play, he's going to know pretty quickly if he's an NFL talent or where he needs to improve to actually make it to the league. So that to me, I think is really valuable. A lot of people are like, well, Cooper cup, Cooper cup had absurd stats with a third round pick. They're like, well, Randy Moss. And you, you went back on the Randy Moss bit a good amount. It was the Randy Moss one upset Cooper cup. Like I get, you see that Cooper cup also lost out on millions of dollars on his first rookie contract because he went in the third round rather than, a top 15 pick, which is where he probably should have gone. Now that we're looking back on everything that he's done in his career, he's a top 15 pick. And when you're a top 15 pick, your guaranteed money is a lot, lot, lot more than what a round three pick guaranteed money is too. So you're playing with money. If Antoine Wells thinks he's good enough for the NFL, not only that, he also is potentially moving up from the fifth, sixth, seventh round, maybe the fourth 
And if he performs well at the SEC level, he jumps all the way up to the second or first round, making millions and millions of dollars more in just that first contract, which can last up to five years, depending on where you're drafted. Um, second point, Randy Moss is a terrible analogy. Probably one of the worst. I think I was more upset about that just terrible analogy than I necessarily was about all of this other stuff. Randy Moss signed a letter of intent to play at Notre Dame and then got in some trouble and then went to Florida State and then got into some trouble. And that's how he ended up on Marshall. A transcendent talent doesn't just pick Marshall over Notre Dame and Florida State. Extenuating circumstances push him to Huntington, West Virginia. Here here are some quotes from the Wikipedia page that are – Um, well-cited, but it's Notre Dame head coach Lou Holtz said, Randy Moss was the best high school football player I've ever seen. Bobby Bowden at Florida State, he was as good as Deion Sanders. Deion's my measuring stick for athletic ability, and this kid was just a bigger Deion. Nobody said that about Antoine Wells. Like, Antoine Wells did not have this, like, oh, wow, this guy's the best athlete in the country who just happens to be at JMU. Of course he would get looks. He's like a five-star top five recruit going to JMU. That's way different than an unheralded recruit putting up a bunch of stats, but still probably being doubted because of the level of competition. It's just not a good comparison. I also don't mean to be, I'm not trying to diminish Antoine Wells at all either. Like JMU fans think he would have made his name known at JMU and, and been got, he, he wasn't in Walter Payton award conversations. Like um, he's not Randy Moss. Was, what was that? He's not Randy Moss. Yeah, that too. He's not a transcendent talent. <laughs> he has the potential to be a really good NFL receiver, but he's not a Hall of Fame receiver. And I'm not trying to slight him. And now this is turning into me sliding Antoine Wells to make a point to Jamie. It's, it's just but. like the, when the comparison is like, well, one of the best receivers in the history of football took this path <laughs> is a really stupid path. Cause like there are a lot of guys who play in the league for like five years and we don't know what Antoine Wells NFL future is or is not, but like realistically, if he like, you have a better chance of making a good amount of money, whether it's NIL or in the league at an sec school. So the move makes sense for him. I thought all the quotes he said were accurate. I know some people didn't like like the tone, which is funny because it's on paper. I don't think anybody watched this interview like video so the the tone is how you read it in your own head like i don't know how he said these things i don't think yeah. he meant it to be offensive to jmu at all they asked him why he left he was honest the craziest part here is like during his freshman year i didn't even think of him transferring all these jmu fans were floating that they're like oh god a p5 is going to come take him p5 is going to come take him he's so good and he's going to want to get to up another level to challenge himself for the nfl then he does this and says that's why he's doing it. And they're like, oh, what a punk. It's like you floated the idea probably before he even thought it, you morons. Like, it's just unbelievable. Like, they're all floating the idea. <laughs> You've the gotten idea. more and more heated over as this conversation's it's gone It's just on ridiculous because, like, everything he said was fine. There's one thing that was, like, probably taken out of context, a really small thing where he talked about that he likes playing with the receivers. Uh, he says, them boys are dogs. It's very different. You can tell the difference in SEC and FCS ball. Them boys are dogs. I'm happy to be playing with them for sure. I love JMU's receiver group. I would imagine South Carolina has more like athletic ability than JMU. Like I would hope for South Carolina's sake was just won a bowl game and had a winning record. In the, like JMU doesn't have a four-star recruit in their wide receiver room. Yes. It's like, you and would think that very they, minimal three. I don't even think they have a three-star recruit in their wide receiver room. South Carolina's receiver room is all three and four stars. It's also worth noting that like these 
24-7 sports accounts and like, like they vary or the pages vary a lot by like school but they're essentially like a recruiting hype man for the school so it's like fans who want to read about recruiting they want to read all this stuff about like what's happening with their favorite team and that's what was happening and they gave it like a very positive south carolina spin which is kind of pretty traditional for these 24 7 sports sites so you have yeah. to be aware of like what you're reading this is for South Carolina fans. They're not catering to like JMU fans who are really sensitive about how their program is viewed, which is what who got upset is they're all sensitive about all this stuff. But I thought it was crazy too, because it's the same people who hype up the facilities, right? And be like, JMU's got this great facility. You want to play big time ball, go to JMU. And then when they're talking about if someone else has bigger time ball, they're like, huh, you shouldn't want nice facilities. You should just have a different, you should be built different. It's like you, you've been talking for weeks about how the facilities are great and how they're growing and how they're adding people in the recruiting department. I just think it's dumb. And also, if you're over the age of like 15 and you're upset about someone transferring in 2022, you got to just take a breath. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more transfers coming down the pike. Yes. Pipe, pike. They also get a lot of transfers and people yeah. are like, yes, yes. You can't then do the other way and be like, you know what? I actually don't think this is good for his future. Like you off the purple glasses if you don't think him playing in the sec could possibly benefit his future and we do one last point that i have to make the food comment when people are like no one's ever complained about jmu food huge difference between training to be a like an elite level receiver who wants to play in the nfl and being like a freshman like me where i would like pound a couple beers like in my dorm with some friends then go to d hall and eat a bunch of pizza like, I don't care if I, like, gained 15 pounds in a three-month span, which one of my roommates did freshman year. It was awesome. He did it before, like, Thanksgiving break. Absolutely unbelievable. We were so proud of him. So, like, that was weird. Shout him out. Fun. What's his like, name? Shout him out. We're, <laughs> we're having a bunch, of, a bunch of fun eating food, and then he came back and was like, oh, I, I should probably take care of myself a little more. And, like, I think that was a good reminder for all of us. But this, there's a difference between, like, going to D-Hall and getting sick and doing the D-Hall dash and like trying to maintain muscle mass and become a professional athlete. So like they have a, probably a different dining hall and different access to nutritional food. That's way different than like a football player going to D hall. I'm not saying you can't go to D hall and like make healthier choices, but it's really easy at a power five school to train yourself and follow like nutrition plans. So two follow-up questions off of this rant. Are you ready for them? One, where did you live freshman year? I lived in the village. So D Hall was a short walk. Okay. So when you did the D Hall dash, were you one of the people that ended up in Carrier's bathroom or did you make it back to Dingledean? Sometimes you didn't even make it back to Dingledean in the village. You would uh you would just use the bathrooms in D Hall. <laughs> did you live in Dingledean? I did. I was completely shot in the dark. <laughs> I did. So I mean, look, it was it's all part of freshman year. It was exciting. It was a good time to be alive, but like the JMU food, I would eat a lot off campus later on. Um, like my junior and senior year, some of that was not paying for a meal plan. Some of that is like, you know what? I like not feeling sick all the time. So like, that's the kind of thing where if you have increased access to food, like covering UVA, they had a crazy amount of access to like different nutritional things that other athletes or other students on campus didn't have. Um, yeah. I know JMU has a nutritionist, but I'm imagining the SEC resources are more uh, the other thing I think people took out of context was like, there's more motivational coaches and mentors. It doesn't mean that like Beamer is better at motivating people than Signetti, although maybe, but like 
they have people There's who reason are like, one's an SEC coach and one is 60 something years old and coaching in a transition. But the, he's, he's a very good coach, but it's just like, they have like specific motivational coaches and mentors and like, it's just a different level of resources. They have money. They have yes. all the money in the world. They, and not even just money. They have donors. They have huge financial backers. Like, and if, also if we're going, going down that route too, the NIL opportunities are so much better in Columbia, South Carolina near like representing the Gamecocks than it is in Har- no offense. I love Harrisonburg. I want to whatever. Like Jim's Auto Mall is not giving you the same amount of money in Harrisonburg than Bob's auto dealership is going to do in South Carolina. No one in the world is saying, which is how Jamie fans interpret it, that you can't have success or you can't possibly make it to the NFL yeah. from JMU. It's just easier from an SEC school. Like Devo Samuel was a South Carolina receiver. Like they have a pretty good history of sticking some guys out there. I think Brian Edwards was another one who was kind of a recent, recent players with the, the Raiders. So like they have a little bit of a history. JMU doesn't. Like JMU's last receiver drafted, I think, was like 2000. And people are like, whoa, Antoine Wells is different. It's like, Okay, yeah, that's, why still, at, that's why he's at USC. It's still very hard to – I don't know. It's just, it's just wild that fans were actually upset because everything he said was accurate. They just didn't like hearing it. Yeah, and I just think sometimes you've got to take a moment, breathe, take off your purple-colored glasses, and look at the broad spectrum of it all. Yeah, it was uh, – it was something, I'll say that. All right, I think we've uh, – We've hit this point pretty hard. I think the nail is no longer popping out of the wood as we've hit it on the head a few times. Um, do you want to move on to some quick basketball talk? Women's, mostly women's, as the men's wrapped up their season like two weeks ago, it feels like. Men's season is over. We've talked kind of at length about how they need a big man. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Keep an eye on that throughout the off season. Women's basketball, subscribe to herhoopstats.com. So I've got some actual details here, which we've talked in the past about how they don't have numbers. Hey, we found numbers. So I thought that was uh, four years of this podcast to find. I thought that was pretty funny, pretty exciting. But um, yeah, they've, they've always been, I don't want to say a, not a bad offensive team, but I guess they've relied more on defense in the past JMU when they've gone on some of these runs. So those numbers are a little bit down, I think, which is disappointing, just general, defensive numbers are a little lower than you expect. They're kind of middle of the road. Um, They're even, you know, sort of middle of the road offensively. Uh, Some of the main issues though, are just like straight up shooting. They're uh, one of the 100 worst three point percentage teams. They're in the bottom 100 field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, all that stuff's alarming. You look at assists per game. They're actually bottom seven in the country. They're bottom five in the country in assisted shot rate. So like there's there's not a lot of ball movement going on, which in the past those numbers have been low. But I think they had players who were maybe better at creating their own shot, and the defense made up for it. Where in years past, that wasn't something that happened. So the assisted turnover ratio is really bad, bottom 35 in the country, giving up a bunch of steals. Just a, a lot of really disappointing things on the offensive end, and then defensively they're they're just pretty average um, in terms of forcing turnovers and and all that stuff. So when you couple, you know, maybe worse offense than usual with a defense that's not reaching program standards, it's, it's concerning. Because I feel like it, it got pretty easy to blame, like, all right, they don't have Claire Neff, they don't have Peyton McDaniel. If they had them, 
they would have better offensive players. Those players are making shots. If you're making shots, your assist totals are going to be higher. I think the defense is kind of to blame. Like they got to get better defensively. That's been a program staple is like they dominate conference foes on the rebounding margin and then they, they play great defense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's was also the, the problem last year. Last year, the offense was yeah. a little bit better, but it just seems like again and again, the problem isn't the fact that they can't score 70. It's the pro it's the fact that they can't hold opponents to under 60. Like during the first few years of coach O and the last years of Kenny Bro, really it felt like the whole Kenny Brooks era. They consistently were holding opponents like 55 points a game, and they would put and they would only they would only score like 65. But you're winning by 10 points. It feels like your offense is doing a lot better than it is, and the defense has taken a massive step back as of late. And whether it's the team just isn't buying into the defensive strategy, whether it's a lack of you know, veteran leadership. And I'm not trying to put the blame on anyone here, but it, like there's something missing that had been there before. Maybe it's Kayla Cooper Williams down low who could just reject anything and was the ultimate eraser was the ultimate fix it man down low. And they don't really have that anymore after um, rain Tucker transferred to Towson. So there's a lot of different avenues for why the defense defense has stepped back so much. And you hope next year there's going to be a, step forward again as, as it returns to program standards. I think it can. It's also probably worth noting as we look at like O'Regan and maybe the disappointment of the program recently. They were 25 and four um, in 2019-20 when COVID canceled the season. Like they were very good, like capable of winning an NCAA tournament game. They had Maryland on the ropes and blew that and only and lost by two. They had a close loss at UVA, which was a little disappointing but I believe they still had Justin Willoughby that year who ended up being a top 10 WNBA draft pick in that game. She scored 28, right? So it's like, you can kind of point to these areas where a WNBA player scored half of UVA's points in that game. That's, you know, a reason for maybe excitement that at one point lost to Towson. Uh, they did get blown out by Drexel on the road. Then they had a rematch and they blew Drexel out. Like it was a special team. They won their last nine games of the year. So COVID kind of screwed them there a little bit. Even the year before, they were pretty good with some injuries that, that cut them short. So we've said that a lot, but worth noting that they've had some tough luck of late. But yeah, they got to get better. And I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how they manage the roster because they had a bunch of seniors, don't know how many are going to come back um, versus how many are not. But it's, it's uh, the senior year next year for Kiki Jefferson, although I guess she technically could use a COVID year, I believe. So if she wants to use... An additional year she might be able to, not entirely sure what the plan is there, but it's her senior year, and she's one of the better players in recent memory. She's an absolute stud, and she has been for years. So hopefully they can take advantage of that and what she's able to do and become an NCAA tournament team. I think they can go into the Sun Belt and be competitive pretty fast, not the best league in the world. They just got to find ways to be more consistent on both ends and figure some roster management-wise. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they progress over this offseason, see what comes out from the team itself, and excited to see Kiki next season, hopefully with everything coming together. Yeah, I mean, it's the user interface of her hoop stats is not quite as uh, not quite as easy as, um, as, old, as old Ken Palm, or at least I'm not used to it quite as much. I wish I could find a little more more like uh, more obvious data in terms of of the Sun Belt 
in what they're doing and how that's all going, but it, uh, it tends to be a little challenging. So you kind of have to go through like team by team rather than conference by conference. But my guess is that it's a, a get league. It is. I don't think it's, it's, it's unbelievably good. Who won the league? It was like UT Arlington. Sure. I've not followed along with Sunbelt at all, men's or women's side. The only reason I know Georgia State won the Sunbelt tournament. They're good. I watched them this year against Northeastern early in the year, and I was like, that team's special. They're not actually special, but they won the game. You know, I'm really surprised Northeastern didn't win the CAA tournament on the men's side. I thought they were a real dark court. Just kidding. can't believe like I got, said that. He predicted Delaware, though, so that kind of – Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hate that for us. All right, so UT Arlington, taking a look at them here. They, I mean, they don't have the best metrics either. Um, like, they won a bunch of games. Their win percentage was good. Um, offensively, they were good. They actually tended to be better defensively. So, kind of similar offensive rating to JMU, but they were a lot better defensively, about 100 spots better in terms of, like, efficiency ranking in the country. So, I think the defense will do it for you. They Like, they were one of the worst 103-point shooting teams, too. Their three-point rate, three-point shooting percentage, all that good stuff was pretty low. They're okay from two, but they they were not the most effective shooting team in the world. But they played great three-point defense, which I think was was really important for them. So they did a better job uh, than JMU in that area, which is uh, important. So yeah, I think it's a gettable league for both teams, men's and women's. I think they go into the Sun Belt Jack and they can win it. Yep. Because you got to do it. You got to go out and do it. Yeah, you just said a lot of numbers, and I kind of zoned out there for a second. So my apologies. I'm a little. Uh... The uh, UT Arlington couldn't really shoot the three, but they defended it well. Okay. So they just played good defense. It's like I think JMU's like old recipe for success of just yeah. like being great defensively is going to work in the Sun Belt. Especially I don't think it's any Kiki Jefferson. You just hope you get good again, so you have Kiki. You Jefferson. just got to be able to to do it defensively. So we'll see what happens. Kayla Cooper Williams probably a very underrated loss. I think what she did is the shot blocker. They haven't really been able to replace that. So interested to follow both the off seasons. I think men and women's basketball they're going to have to do some stuff in terms of uh, figuring out roster over the off season. Yep. What's next? What's the next thing for us to talk about? I think we got to talk a little CA tournament. UNCW gave me quite the scare. Yeah, you you had a hundred dollars on the line that you're going to donate to the university the, if UNCW yeah. won. The sideline UNCW account had tweeted something like, "Wow, incredible value at plus eleven hundred for UNCW to win the CA." And I was like, "This is a joke. There's a reason they're that low. They're a lucky fraud team. They almost luckily frauded into it, right? Well, they you did. Had, they did they luckily to fraud play. like their first two. They didn't have to play Hofstra. They didn't have to play Towson, and they still couldn't get it done. So and they and they, they were a, always a fraud. They, they benefited from a blown call late against Charleston to win. Horrible, that game. horrible, Wahak charge stuff going on in that game. That was a joke. Called a lot of charges. So that was really beneficial for me mentally and financially. And also. Um, Delaware, it sucks because they're going to be a 16 seed, but they're, they might have been – if Dylan Painter stayed healthy throughout the entire season, they probably Could have would have had a better been, seed, yeah. They would have probably been like a 14 seed, and they may have given Towson a run for their money for the one spot in the, um, in the CAA. But instead, they Dylan might Painter get a, a lot of time. I was looking at bracket matrix today. They might get a 15, but the two seeds this year are crazy good. It's like probably like Kentucky, I think Duke. You I think the twos are better. Want to rather be a sixteen, like the the best sixteen seed, so you play Providence because Providence is a beatable one seed. 
you think Providence is a one seed. Providence is like a five seed. There's no chance Providence gets one seed. I've seen bracketology. No, you have not. You one seed. Yeah, the Big East bracket. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. There's no way you've seen them as a one seed. Yeah, yeah. No way. They're like a three seed. Anyone who said that is out of their mind. They're like, aren't they like third? They're thirty sixth in Ken Palm. They're not getting. They're not getting a one. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's gonna no, no. But you might get. You would probably get. Um, Baylor, maybe. I can't believe the disrespect here on Providence, though. Providence is not a one seed. Providence is like a three or four seed. Providence is going to win the Big East and then get the one seed. There's no chance they get a one. Where are you seeing this? This is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I, I didn't expect Providence this ever. One seed. Maybe it was a week ago. I am, I'm alarmed. Uh, this bracket matrix, which it takes all of those brackets, like the rankings, and it has, it has what they're ranked in every single bracket, and then it averages them, has them as one of the worst four seeds. I'm seeing the best they have is a three. I don't know where you're getting your brackets. I think it's the Big East website. <laughs> it must have been an old one, like a week <laughs> ago, when they were in the middle of their wins. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, but they have uh, they got Delaware in there at the 15 line, playing against potentially Duke. That feels bad. That feels like a winnable game for Duke. The one I will say this isn't even CAA related. Bryant won by like 100 yesterday. I guess there was some giant brawl on the stands though. That didn't seem good. But they played Houston earlier this year and lost 100 to 11 to 44. I am, I will do, I hope they get the one. Like if they had the play in 16, I hope they win and play the one. Can you imagine like Gonzaga against this team? The spread's gonna be like 60 points. That's awesome. Also, <laughs> and I'm how taking they, the Zags. Not to, not to derail this podcast into Northeast Conference talk. How did Bryant beat Wagner by 50? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just a blowout, blowout win for him. Unbelievable. And there was there was a brawl in the stands between fans. They put the uh, seemed pretty terrible. The yeah. Bryant student section right next to the Wagner like parent section. That was bad. I think that's how it happened. Or like the I Wagner. Th- I think support, that's what I like, saw. That travels with, and I guess the Bryant student section was getting mouthy with Wagner and they were getting mouthy back and punches were thrown and the marching band was there involved in it too. The Wagner marching band. They had to clear out all the Wagner fans with four minutes left. That's terrible. But yeah, Delaware's probably, probably done. I will say, Jack, I don't care about the Sun Belt until Jane using the Sun Belt. I agree. A lot of people are saying that we should care about Georgia State. Should have followed along with the Sun Belt tournament. Yeah, keep. I don't care about Georgia State. Is gonna get demolished. I just, it's. I don't care. Like I cared more about the CAA tournament because I watched those teams all year. Like I'd seen them play multiple occasions, whether against JMU or whatever. Watched them play. Kept an eye on them. Like it's, it's hard to be interested in a conference. I didn't watch a single Sun Belt basketball game this year. Same. Like a conference game. I watched Northeastern play Georgia State earlier in the year. But um yeah, I just I don't care until Jamie's in it. Yep. What do you anything else you care about that you want to talk about before the end of this podcast? A lot of things that I care about. World okay. peace. All right. Any, anything else? Yeah, let's, let me give a quick Jamie baseball update. I think they lost. They did. What was the final? Nine, nine to eight in 10 innings. That's tough. 
that's tough for them. But uh, they, they battled with Tennessee, which I don't think actually matters much. Like, you got to win some of these. They're probably not making the tournament. But they're, they're actually kind of electric. They're fun to watch because they can hit. Yeah. And Chase Delotter wasn't in the game. So, in a way, they won. Yeah, if he was of, there, that's what he, that, they what, should like, not, He's like a he has like a five war wins over above replacement. Yep. And they lost by one. So like in theory, you can just like add five runs. I think, tell me how you feel about this. They should not play him the rest of the year and just be like, well, we would have won if we had to lauder, even if he's healthy. (laughs) (laughs) All the selection to me, like, well, yeah, well, we didn't have to lauder. No shit, we lost. Of course we lost 12 to 1. The lauder. He has a 15 war now. <laughs> Coach Ike, last game it was six. And we lost by five. You see where I'm going with this? Hopefully he comes back soon. But, uh, yeah, I got, we got some people who are pretty pretty amped up about about the baseball team. I'm not totally yeah, sold, like but they're fun to watch. You probably lose a lot though after this season, though, right? Definitely, yeah. I forget, I forget the – I say that because I forget the baseball draft rules. You got to play th- – if you had to be like a junior-ish or whatever, but he's been there three years now, so okay. he, can, uh, he can bail. And he will because okay. he'll be a very, very top pick. Okay. But, uh, yeah, women's golf. Women's golf got it done. Tease that. You want to tease that a little bit? Yeah, I think we're working on getting head coach Tommy Baker on the podcast, which we've talked about kind of for a while, interestingly. <laughs> like the last two years. I think I was, I was looking at the sports calendar, and I saw they were playing, and I pulled up golf stat, and they were like – very much in the mix to win this tournament, the River Landing Classic, which they did. So I pulled it up, watched that, thought that was cool. Figured we should have them on. They won the CAA last year. They're probably one of the forgotten teams with this postseason ban really hurts. Um, the fact that they're not allowed to play in that sucks for them. Because they made some, they did some good things. Had a couple of good rounds or a good round or something in there uh, in the NCAA regional last year. So um, tough. They only have two tournaments left this year. One at the end of March, one at the beginning of April. So they got a little left, and then they will go into next year. Uh, I imagine the Sun Belt's pretty competitive, but we will ask Tom Baker about how they will, they will fare in the Sun Belt. Yes. I think that's pretty much all we got. We might go on a little, well, we'll have Tommy Baker, but we could be on a hiatus for a little bit, right? Maybe yeah. a little break. I think Pop we'll... in here and there with, with uh, guests that we may be able to pull down. Um, Always, if you guys ever want a certain guest, let us know on Twitter. Tweet at us, slide in our DMs. They're open on Twitter. And, and let us know, and we'll try our best to get them. Um, we love bringing on guests. It's a lot of fun. We did it throughout football season. But I think this is normally where the uh, the rubber hits the road. Actually, no, normally we go through baseball and softball talking about all that. We but- do. It's just I don't know if we're going to be doing um... – as regularly you got softballs four and nine baseball's decent but they don't have the conference tournament so if i had to gun to my, every other week and every other yeah week gun to my head i don't think either are going to make the ncaa tournament i think softball's a large chance they may already be gone um, they've struggled that was your bit, rant so. oh yeah that was my rant that was my rant so uh that my rant is that they essentially lost everyone on their team and there are like jmu fans who are like we don't rebuild we re- reload like no no that's such a stupid expectation for any of the programs just like football where they're like we don't rebuild we reload and we go into the sun belt and we win out it's like no they're probably gonna go like four and seven or something or five and six like it's not gonna be great 
and you got to kind of accept that softball anyone who thought they were like in like a lock to make the ncaa tournament or like going to win a regional or something were out of their minds like they lost so much talent and replaced it with like 18 year olds why would that have like you're 22 to 24 years old had proven to be like stars and they all either graduated or moved on or whatever and then you replace them with freshmen why would you think that they would be the same as the team that was the best in program history doesn't make any sense they're four and nine everyone's like oh wow that's kind of disappointing it's like no it's not you just had unreasonable expectations not disappointing at all they've been fairly competitive in a bunch of the losses they played a really hard schedule they'll beat up on some caa teams and they're going to win a bunch moving forward here uh, they come home, first home game will be Thursday, March 10th. So coming up here, uh, probably when you're listening to the podcast. And then over the weekend, they are have the JMU Classic with Maryland, Arkansas, and Lehigh, um, which is probably going to be a challenge. But like then after that, it gets easier. They'll win some games. But the people who are like, oh, we don't rebuild, we reload. It's like, it could, they might never go back to Oklahoma City, man. I like. I hope they do. I hope they get there. But the idea they that they're have a like better shot at getting back in the Sun Belt than they do in the CAA. But. Yeah, it helps. And like, I think they'll be able to build up the program. But the idea that they're like, "Yep, you just do it." Like Louisiana's had a good team for a while. They don't go every year. It's very hard to go. It's very hard to do anything and have success at this level. So it's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous when people are like, "Oh, we're we reload and we win everything it's like no they lost literally everyone there's a roster they have a website and it shows you the roster you can even look at last year and guess who's not on it sarah jubis madison niokas odyssey alexander logan newton kate gordon and you can go on and on they lost almost everyone from like their great team and people are like well they're just gonna keep on rolling it's like that's not how sports work at all and it's, it's also annoying. unfair not to interrupt your your rant but it was unfair the expectations that were placed on this team coming into the season like extremely unfair and now that they're sitting at four and nine and like you said in competitive games a couple mm-hmm. blowouts here and there but like overall like a competitive four and nine looking ahead to a very winnable caa at least regular season yeah like it's unfair to have expected them to be 13 and 0 at this point in the season yeah it's also a disservice. Un- super super disservice and it's also a disservice to the last year's team it's a, like insulting yeah. to them You're where it's like oh yeah the a yes. historically great team where <laughs> no offense to the team but like odyssey went on a historic pitching tear to get them through the regional that they almost lost the super regional that was very much in the balance throughout the entire thing to get them to the women's college world series Odyssey Alexander did something no pitcher I think has ever done. And that's throw 1 million pitches in a three week span. It was unbelievable. And she was obviously the catalyst, right? Cause they were, they had like a couple key hits a game, but she was carrying them yes. in the circle and for her to leave. And then you to be like, yep, they're going to be exactly the same. It's just so <laughs> like, it's just really horrible analysis. I was surprised people were like, Oh, they're, they're definitely a top five. Like, top 25 team when they were ranked i was like oh that's probably because of last year's result like a nice like show of respect for the program to stick them at 25 people were like underrated we'll show them it's like no they probably won't because they're like they're building from the bottom up it's literally a rebuild i don't know how people didn't see it it was a little weird um but they're still like good they have some players that i think will get better and they'll they'll develop and this will help with recruiting and And they're very young 
Like this team like went from a yeah. veteran laden like senior, 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 junior, senior, yes. redshirt, junior, redshirt, senior pitcher. And now they're like freshman, sophomore, redshirt, sophomore, junior, sophomore. Like, yeah. But you got to like, look, when I was in my doomsday mode a couple weeks ago and I said, it's going to be a sad few months. I wasn't wrong. It's going to be a sad <laughs> few months. They can't they're not play in the basketball tournament. The softball team is probably – they're not making the NCAA tournament. The baseball team, maybe they go into tear, but, like, the schedule is pretty bad. So, like, you you kind of need to beat Tennessee tonight or <laughs> beat Virginia Tech. Like, you got to – you don't have that many opportunities to actually build a resume. Nobody cares about the record. Like, you need a good RPI and stuff, and you don't get that by beating Quinnipiac two out of three games. Oh, is that how you right? pronounce it? Yeah. It was always Quinnipiac. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Quinnipiac. I think there's an, <laughs> an extra eye in there. But um, that's not how it's done. So, like, you're probably not having any NCAA tournament teams. You have a lacrosse team that's, like, not always televised, and they lost in Penn State today. They're, like, like a fringe NCAA tournament team because it's a really small field. And then we got women's golf, but you can't actually watch women's golf anywhere. So when I was a sad boy, I was correctly a sad boy. And we're we're going to go into the Sun Belt with a renewed energy over the offseason. But, Jack, if you expect us to come out here and, and be sad boys every week, we're not doing it, folks. We can't do that. And with all of that, I think this is where the podcast comes to an end. Normally where I have to cut off Bennett and his ranting that I normally have. <laughs> podcast so thank you so much for tuning into the jamie sports news podcast you guys have a wonderful rest of your day this has been presented by bet online see ya thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.